Hello and welcome to the Artsy Podcast, where four editors take you around the art world. I'm your host, Isaac Kaplan, joined this week by Molly Gottschalk, Fairs Editor and Associate Features Editor. Hi, Molly. Hi, Isaac. By staff writer, Alexa Gotthardt. Hi, Isaac. Hey, Alexa. And finally, by Deputy Editor, Alex Forbes. Hey, Isaac. How's it going? Good. Though, you know, it's been a long Armory Week, I think, for all of us. We just wrapped our second print edition uh, the other day. It's been a kind of a crazy week plus. How's everyone holding up emotionally, physically? <laughs> <laughs> I pulled a near all-nighter on Wednesday night. Wow. So I'm feeling, but I'm feeling good today. I had some time to recover. Sometimes I feel like after an all-nighter, you're in like this halo effect. And then it's the next day after that, that you just completely... That's what they say. Sleep deprivation hits the second day. That is... I'm feeling that today. (laughs) Definitely feeling that today. Yeah. I remember like five years ago, I had no idea what an art fair even was. And today it's like, I'll sleep when the Armory Show ends. That's the topic of this week's podcast, the Armory Show, the Satellite Fairs, what's different this year. So for those people who maybe aren't totally uh, plugged in or don't know what the Armory Show actually is, can you guys give a quick sort of summary of, of its importance? Um, the Armory Show is one of the two major art fairs that happen in New York every year. Um, it's kind of the, the more New York-y institution. It takes place on the west side of Manhattan at Piers 92 and 94. It's been around for 23 years. 23 years. And this year is the first edition uh, directed by Benjamin Ginocchio. Well, actually, he directed last year's too, technically. um, But this year, he actually had a chance to put his stamp on it. There are 210 galleries from 30 countries. Uh, Ben has widened a lot of the hallways, made a lot of the booths bigger. Um, So all told, a kind of exciting chance to to look at a bit of a revamped art fair experience from uh, from what we've known for the past few years. I even saw a couple windows at this year's Armory, which... No way. Yeah, which wow. was a new development. Which is awesome because it gives you a new sense of place in this fair where, um, like many fairs inside a tent or a convention center, you can walk around for eight hours and sort of forget where you are. You're just under fluorescent lighting, surrounded by booths, and now you can look out the window and see these beautiful vistas of the Hudson River and the New York skyline. When I was talking with Kamel Manure, who is a gallerist who's in the main section of the fair, um, he called that effect art fair drunk. And he was like, this year, I'm, I'm not feeling art fair drunk at the Armory. <laughs> which is big news. It was just That's big news. Big news. Yeah. <laughs> was it? Did you guys find it freezing cold? Because I was so, when I went, I was icy. I did not have that sense. It, 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 wow. The buildings, really buildings just turned off their heat yesterday. I had to turn it on in here too. It was, it was the struggle was real across Manhattan. So, so we're talking about you know putting a window here, making a booth bigger there. What impact does this really have? Because you know I can imagine someone who goes back you know this year versus last year is like, oh, this is almost like substantively the same thing. No, it looks completely different. And I, as somebody who goes to a lot of fairs, probably too many for my own good. Um, <laughs> These small changes can have massive effects on how enjoyable it is to walk around a space. Um, in the case of the Armory Show, you know, little things like uh, they ripped up, well, I mean, they put new carpets down, but they have less carpeting than they have in the past. It's just in the hallways. They painted the concrete floors black, um, which gives you more of a contrast against the white walls. It makes it a much more inviting space to walk through, a more pleasant art viewing experience. And, you know, if you're going to go lay down 10, 20, 
$100,000 on an artwork, uh, it's generally nice to be able to look at it in a way that doesn't suck. Um, so, it, you know, the, the small tweaks actually can make a, a giant difference in how enjoyable affairs. Also, the changes to the floor plan, I think, have been really exceptional in terms of um, making the experience of walking around the fair better. So what's changed? There are no dead ends, for one. So galleries didn't feel like they were off in art fair Siberia. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> it was cold. Okay, it was. Sorry, <laughs> um, and it made just for a, a better user experience for yeah. a fair goer because you felt like you had a continuous path to follow. Right. So often you go down one aisle, you get to the end, you have to walk back. You somehow manage to miss an entire section in the way um, many fairs are routed. And I think this one had a very seamless, um, offered a very seamless experience in which you could, um, the way you would intuitively walk through you end up seeing everything. Yeah, by far the worst is our Basel Miami Beach, which is a giant <laughs> square, and you, like I, I always, yeah. without fail, miss an entire two aisles at least. I also think it's problematic when fairs are set up in a way where you have to walk through other booths to get to the one you want to go to. So it sort of makes it like this traffic path um, in which you're not appreciating the booth that you're just breezing through. Mm-hmm. And there's also been some shakeup in the Pier 92, Pier 94 binary. So, so Alex, what, what's happened there? The modern section of the Armory Show is dead. Well, actually, it's just smaller. Um, it's a new section called Insights, which I think is, is still kind of a little bit in development what they're going to do there, um, whether they decide eventually to combine both sections entirely or do keep this section um, that is a little bit more inventory focused that you know works before 2000. Um, but some of the gallery section galleries have moved up to Pier 92. Um, there were there were mixed feelings about that among those dealers, and it's an effort, you know, across the fair. I think by by Ben to create more of an equality between the two piers. Before, I mean, speaking from my own experience, I really spent very little to no time up on Pier mm-hmm. 92. Um, now, in particular, highlight up there is the focus section, um, which the former Lachman curator. Jared Gregory brought together um, and is, has some of the strongest work in the entire fair. So I think, you know, practically you'll find a lot more people up there than have been in the past. Although it would be interesting to look at their numbers because, you know, maybe people just don't even realize the focus is up there or they think it's a big hike and that they, you they know, don't want to walk that far. They also moved the VIP lounge there as well. Yeah. And yeah, if you're looking for more uh, insight on the insight section, our producer mm-hmm. Abigail Kane, who who isn't on the show but is sitting by diligently, wrote a wrote a nice piece on that. In terms of these these sort of shifts, is there any indication that they're having an impact on sales, or is it too kind of too early to say? I think the changes this year have definitely had an impact. I've spoken to a number of dealers on opening day who who said it was one of their best years yet. Um, Sean Kelly, for example, nearly sold out his entire booth on the first day. He said it was overall, the quality of presentations was extremely strong. Uh, Jack Shaman, who's always had a booth um, in one spot, sort of on a, at the end of a cul-de-sac on Pier 94, um, he moved this year and he said, you know, the changes in the layout made the experience of walking through the fair so much better. He was able to um, discover booths that he wouldn't otherwise have seen. Yeah, and his booth actually is in is kind of the middle of the fair um, near this newly created town square, which I thought was a, a kind of interesting strategy on um, Ginocchio's part to try to bring another weight point um, to the fair. There'd always been this 
um, major focal point where the champagne bar is right at the entrance of Pier 94, but to put another um, more congregating area uh, of, of focus further down the pier as well helps you get further down and helps dealers who are um, more towards the back of the pier uh, I think feel a little bit more taken care of and a little bit more like they're they're also a center of attention that there isn't just one anymore. Mm-hmm, totally, yeah, and and the the booths around that town square in particular um, felt really strong. Um, Jeffrey Deitch returned to the fair for the first time since 2009. Of course, during that hiatus, he was the director of Mocha, but now he's back in New York, and that was kind of a really exuberant return. It, it felt to me like he was bringing back this kind of flamboyant energy of the hyper curated booth that he's so known for. So yeah, I, I saw this booth too. It's mm-hmm. kind of incredible. I, I don't really know how to describe it. Maybe you, you can do a better <laughs> job, I think, because your um, best booth piece, it's in there. It's Everyone in there. should check that it's out. featured prominently in the best booth piece I wrote. It was a really exciting booth. So um, the Armory Show used to be called the Gramercy Park Hotels International Art Fair. This was it's a ages mouthful. ago, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it was in the Gramercy Park Hotel. And Jeffrey brought back a historic booth that he created for that fair in 1995 to this fair. He resurrected it, he updated it, he changed it. It was called, it is called, and was called the Florian Stettheimer Collapsed Time Salon. Florian Stettheimer is an amazing painter who came of age in the 1920s. Had this famous salon where that. Marcel Duchamp attended, Georgia O'Keeffe attended. She was an incredible painter in her own right. And Jeffrey kind of uses her as a jumping off point in this booth to talk about the resurgence of figurative painting. It's happening now. And it's just this gorgeous Rococo booth with bright pink walls, salon style hanging of of young and old figurative painters alike, like Grace Weaver and Chloe Wise on the younger end, like Rachel Feinstein and and John Kern on the on the more established side. And he he was very happy on opening day saying that he was selling tons of work and um, that he was getting a great response. And one of the things I thought was actually really cool is sometimes these curated booths can feel a little bit hokey or gimmicky. You're not sure if it's just kind of a way to get people in and hang a lot of work and sell a lot. But I was actually talking to uh, Grace Weaver and her dealer um, outside of the booth on opening day, and um, they were saying actually how much of a influence Florence Heimer had been on her own practice. And so to see those connections and those historical connections popping up in what we kind of think of as kind of trendy fig- female figurative painting right now is very cool. There's also a really interesting story behind the work um, at the center of that booth. It's probably the, one of the more expensive pieces, even though it's not for sale at the Armory Show this year. Um, and it had actually been shown there once before and purchased at the fair in a little bit of a controversial situation. Um, but to see that come back to uh, back to the armory and have such a you know really museum quality work um, in in the booth was was really refreshing. Yeah, that that piece was incredible, and and there was a lot of I thought there was a lot of really strong historical work at the fair. One booth in particular. Um, a, a gallery from Bologna brought this joint presentation of um, Giorgio Morandi's work and paired it with Liu Fan's work, which I thought was um, a really surprising juxtaposition, but a really strong one. And then, were they trying to create a conversation between like the Italian minimalists and the Korean minimalists? I, yes, they they were, and it worked. And I was surprised that it worked. Um, they used a lot of the same kind of compositional strategies. These two artists, which I had never thought about before. Hmm. Yeah. So is now a good time to maybe do if I have to force you to pick your favorite booth. Ooh. 
I know. You had to you had to do twenty. I had to do twenty. <laughs> I know that was tough. But I'm gonna put you on the I think I'm gonna put you all on the hot seat and uh you have to tell me the favorite you know, if you only visited one, what would it be? I think that's easy. Um I think that wow, never mind then, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um I think many people would say this based on the crowd that was uh surrounding Pace Gallery's booth throughout the fair. Um Amsterdam based artist duo Studio Drift levitated a giant block of concrete it's about uh, 10 feet above your head in the air um, this kinetic sculpture which was really incredible to see I think there's a a lot of people wondering how they did it which the artists were around the booth um, for much of the fair and they won't um, say anything in terms of are you allowed to like walk around it I've I've heard that you you can walk under it but um, that wasn't something that was being allowed during the fair but can you walk like can you see the whole like walk you can the whole it's thing? it's floating so you can see that it's not um attached okay. in in any what? way it's, i'm going it's back to the slow, fair today so i'm going to check this it out it slowly moves um but yeah so how it happens you you don't know the artist um they work frequently with technology but um they don't want this work to be about the technology so they haven't gone into detail about how they um created it it's really, it's really wondrous. I found myself just, I don't know, feeling this sense of curiosity and wonder that I rarely feel at fairs. And that was pretty exciting. Um, another thing that I thought was really interesting about it, so I interviewed these artists about another project they did at the fair. But um, for this project, um, it was inspired in part by a novel called Utopia, in, written in 1516, in which... Um, the concept of concrete is introduced. So is this sh- Sir Thomas More's. Yes, it is. Great, great text. Uh, very influential. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, shortly after that, concrete then was developed, and so I think that these artists are very inspired by the idea of a concept being presented by artists, developed by technologists, then pushed forward. Um, again by artists and sort of this process which I think is really fascinating and that obviously has a lot to do with their whole practice and something that kind of plays out elsewhere in the fair as well as you were saying before right so Studio Drift worked with um, Artsy in partnership with Microsoft on a commission for the fair um, which is really incredible they produced an installation that can be viewed through Microsoft HoloLens which is a mixed reality headset um it's not yet released to the public. It's available to developers and businesses. But um, so it's awesome to be able to experience this technology at the fair. And I actually haven't I haven't tried it yet. What's the experience like? So um, I think most people have experienced virtual reality in which you're looking through a headset. Um, you're in a 360 completely immersed experience. Um, augmented reality sort of layers things into your line of sight but mixes with the real world. So when you're wearing the HoloLens headset, you're seeing um, what's around you in the physical space, but um, also holograms are being added into your line of sight. So, oh, so they've um, the artists have created these um, concrete columns, but when you when you put on the headset, um, they extend in in height and then they move as if they're swaying back and forth. So you're seeing this enhanced version of of what you would normally be seeing. Alexa, what's your uh, top choice? Oh, right. This is a very hard decision, but I think um, my favorite booth was a small booth on Pier 94 in the Presents section by Downs and Ross. And Downs and Ross is a brand new gallery on the Lower East Side that's actually a conglomeration of 
two galleries that used to exist on the Lower East Side, Hester and Tomorrow, and they just created this jewel box of of a painting booth. Um, it features the work of Ragna Blay, who's Oslo-based, and Yan Yan Huang, who is um, Italy-based. I forget forget exactly where, but it's um, it's just this immersive environment of painting. You when you step into the booth, you feel like you're inside their paintings, and it's wonderful. Alex. So I'm going to cheat a little bit, as as I want to do, and to say I think you know my favorite picture at the fair, or what I thought was um, was vastly different than previous editions of the Armory Show that I've seen, um, was on this time town square. On the one hand, you have uh, the Jeffrey Deitch booth that we talked about. In the middle, you have this um, massive Yayoi Kusama uh, installation. There are 11 of these uh, giant polka-dotted sculptures um, spread across an astroturf floor. Uh, I think they're meant to be a, a, a garden installation. And then behind them at um, Mizuma's booth, which is the, the longest booth and the narrowest booth on the fair. It's 57 feet. Some I think the painting on it is 57 feet long, so it's probably 60 feet long. Um, they have one enormous painting um, by Aida Makoto. Um, and it's, it's just like phenomenally fun to walk down and look through its incredibly detailed figurative work. So I think that, that like, that just felt very new and different and, and really to me, um, raised the bar in terms of what the Armory Show has put out there before. Is anyone going to ask me what my favorite booth Isaac, is? Isaac, what was your favorite booth? Thank Tell you, us, please. A booth that really stood out to me was the winner of this year's Presents Booth Prize, which is sort of a new award that Ben created to kind of highlight uh, outstanding and innovative uh, gallery presentation. It was jury paneled, and um, it went to uh, Marianne Ibrahim Gallery, which is a Seattle-based gallery for their presentation of Zora Opoku, who's a german Ghanaian artist. Um, and they're these incredible, uh, I don't want to say tapestries, but they're, they're, they are very large uh kind of cloth works that are screen printed photographs sewn together, embroidered, but the way that they had presented them at this booth kind of created sort of a, a warm kind of uh, almost homely effect because there were like these images, um, the source images that the artist had used sort of sprinkled throughout the booth. There were photographs of her family. Um, they they hung things from the rafters. At one point, the, the gallerist was like, yeah, we we didn't think we'd even need walls, um, but eventually, you know, they had to <laughs> they had to adapt. But anyway, it was it was just a great a great booth, and it was and it was cool to see them um, walk away with this prize. I think much deserved. Isaac, had you heard of her before? I had heard of her before Molly, uh, because she was on our artist to watch in 2017 end of year list. Um, so I don't think we can take credit necessarily for <laughs> only uh, a little bit. <laughs> I don't think we can take full credit. Some okay. of the jury members are, are, are very avid readers of RT and probably <laughs> listeners to this podcast, too. Maybe we had a, had a subliminal effect on them. There we go. Anyway, it, it's great to see great to see her win. In place of our perennial segment, uh, where in the art world are you drinking white wine this week? Since there's so much going on uh, beyond the Armory show, I just wanted to ask you guys, is there anything coming up on, on your weekend calendar that you're excited about? I'll be heading over to Independent. Um, which is one of my favorite fairs. It takes place in New York and in Brussels. And um, I've heard this edition is fantastic. It's um, just down the street at Spring Studios. And I am really excited to head to Nada, New York, which also takes place in Miami and New York. But um, yeah, I've heard great things and can't wait to get there. 
And what does Nada kind of bring? And maybe Molly, you can quickly touch on this with Independent too, like that the Armory show doesn't. Yeah. What, 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 what are the differences? Nada is focused on younger galleries um, who primarily represent emerging artists. So you get a lot of not only young practices, but under-recognized practices, um, new practices at NADA. And this is also the first year that it takes place during Armory Week instead of during Freeze oh, New right. York. And they've that. moved locations to um, uh, Skylight Clarkson. Is that yep, Skylight exactly, Clarkson yeah. from Basketball City? So I'm really excited to see how those changes, um, you know, the effect those changes have had. Yeah, and this year the Independent and NADA are quite close to each other right I think so it's easy to get from one yeah, to the other yeah that's yeah. true um, independent um, they are known for small curated presentations so um, solo or duo artist presentations often it feels very much like you're walking through an exhibition you'll not you, I can't recall a time ever coming across a booth that just sort of feels like a um, hodgepodge of uh, the gallery's offerings it's just so really thoughtful yeah, yeah and beautiful, beautiful new space. Alex? Well, I'm really excited to go to spring break, um, which I'm somewhat ashamed to admit that I've never made it to um, since moving back to New York a couple years ago. And um, it's a curator-led fair, which is very different than most art fairs, which are dealer-led and, and dealers participate and get a booth. This is a selection of um, presentations now this year in um, Times Square, which is uh, it should be odd in and of itself. It used to be in this amazing um, former post office, and so uh, putting art in an office environment is always always a bit strange. Um, but I've heard it's incredible. Um, people should check out the piece on Artsy, highlighting a number of of, of the new curators that. Um, we're discovered there among those also a colleague of ours, Yulia, uh, whose presentation I'm excited to see in person as well. Um, so that's, that's going to be on uh, definitely on the docket for me on the weekend. So yeah, as I said earlier, I'm going, uh, right back to the Armory show almost as soon as we're done uh, recording this podcast. And then I'm going to take a, a stroll next door to Volta, which is a fair dedicated to solo shows. Um, and I'm excited because I've heard some really good things about that. So now you all know where we're going to be this weekend. If you see any of us or more likely recognize the sound of our voices, uh, come say hello. Thanks so much to Molly, Alexa, and Alex for joining me here this week. I know it's been a busy one. Thanks for having us. Please remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes if you haven't already. See you guys next time. Our producer this week, as always, editorial associate Abigail Kane. The theme music is by Broke for Free.